We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for May 19th, 2013. Continuing on, uh, next report, in 1998, an FBI informant inside the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood Network warned that it had a front called the International Institute of Islamic Thought, or IIIT. The IIIT leadership uh, the source reported, said they were in the first six phases to institute the Islamic Revolution in the United States. Their current objective was to peacefully get inside the United States government and also American universities. Now, everything that I've just reported on has just all confirming, of every report confirming one another that this is exactly what their agenda is. I mean, the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. And we've got way more than two or three witnesses here. This is Sharia. They call it creeping Sharia. Because they're patient in how they try to creep in like the vipers that they are and institute Islam and Sharia law. So they try to at first peacefully get inside the United States government and then the American universities, where American thought patterns are shaped, essentially. And they have done this. The source warned that the Muslim Brotherhood in America has, quote, unlimited funds. Well, a lot of that is the oil coming out of the, the Middle East that they're pumping out of the ground. And a lot of those oil profits are going toward doing this thing because those guys are all Islamic over there in the Middle East. Even though we don't even need their oil. We've got enough oil that we're not even tapping into between America or Alaska and the lower 48 where we would be totally energy independent if we wanted to be. And again, that's not even talking about all the free energy stuff they've suppressed. We wouldn't even need the oil if they had that. Or need very little of it. Anyway, um, they have unlimited funds and they have set up political action front groups with no traceable ties to the IIIT or other Muslim groups. The source identification of the IIT as a front is verified in the 1991 U.S. Motherhood, motherhood Muslim Brotherhood memo, the same one we referenced earlier. Uh, the Brotherhood lists this organization as a number as number 28 of our organizations and organization of our friends. It's the same memo I just referenced in the previous teaching. So, working toward the Brotherhood's self-defined goal, which it says is a grand jihad in eliminating and destroying the Western civilization from within, that's their goal, uh, IIT's Director of Academic Outreach from 1984 to 1994 was Saeed, Saeed Seed, a founder and former Secretary General of um, Islamic Society of North America. Footage from 2006 shows him saying, quote, our job is to change the Constitution of America. So, um, IIT, IIIT has agreements with Okay, this Islamic, radical Islamic organizations, which basically, um, again, let me just restate there, um, they're trying to get into American colleges. That's their main goal. Okay, and they were in the first six phases to institute the Islamic revolution in the United States. This is the same group uh, that is... Um, says it's participating in Grand Jihad and eliminating and destroying Western civilization from within. They have agreements, literal agreements with, and if you want to see the literal agreements, you can click on the uh, the link for this article and it'll go into, I don't have time to list them all today, but they have literally have agreements with George Mason University, Nazareth College, Shenandoah University, 
Hartford Seminary. <laughs> Seminary. I'm going to read a little bit about them. On March 17, 2013, the Connecticut Theological College announced that it had received the necessary funding for an... In, I mean, this is a theological college. I mean, I'm sure they're really hardcore, fire and brimstone the whole way. Uh, had received necessary funding for an endowed chair in Islamic chaplaincy. Islamic chaplaincy. Well, like the Air Force wanting Islamic chaplains. Uh, they, um, the largest donor was IIIT, who had given the college $1 million. So they gave Hartford Seminary, wasn't like they gave him 250 bucks. They gave him $1 million for an endowed chair in the Islamic chaplaincy. This is how desperate Islam is to infiltrate the higher learning institutions of America, which are typically nothing more than satanic brainwashing uh, institutions. The press release about about the endowed chair, says the Islamic chaplaincy program began in 2003, quote, to prepare Muslims for chaplaincy positions in hospitals, prisons, universities, and the military. I mean, we need those wonderful Muslim chaplains so that they can lead all of their adherents to hell where they're going. I mean, that's what they're doing, you know. That's their ultimate goal. Whether, although they don't know that, that's what they're doing. The president of Hartford Seminary, Professor Heidi Hadsell, said it established a productive and creative and effective relationship with IIIT. Yeah, I can give you about a million reasons why she would say that quote. You know, follow the money. Million dollar donation. And all of a sudden she has this glowing review. So on July 25th, 2012, Hadsell spoke to an IIT, at a IIT fundraiser she talked about the continued support that the seminary receives from IIIT, particularly in the area of imam training and education and the study of Christian-Muslim relations in general. Yeah, because we know the Muslims are really super, super tolerant of Christians. Just ask the Coptic Christians, even though I know that they're not a true Christian sect. I mean, they're real, they're real tolerant of the Coptic Christians or of Catholics over there or of any other born-again Christian. I mean, if they, if they get wind of you saying anything supposedly against Allah, I mean, you're just beheaded. You're dead. You know? But they're, they're very, they're very, um, they're very tolerant, though. Other than that, what I just said. The, then, the other ones they've got agreements with Huron University of Canada, Huron University College of Canada. Huron University is affiliated with the University of Western Ontario and is an affiliate member of the Toronto School of Theology. Here again, we have these colleges that seem to have some type of pseudo-Christian bent, which would be ripe for the picking as far as they don't take a stand on Christianity anyway, so as far as Islam infiltrating them, it'd be a good first choice. you know. Um, IIT also has links to the United States Naval Academy, uh, Bing, Binghamton University, Eastern Mennonite University, University of Delaware, American University, University of Maryland, uh, Manhattan College, Manhattanville College, Georgetown University, University of Virginia, and Middle Tennessee State University. So again, they're really they're trying to get their slimy tentacles everywhere they can. Here's the uh, next report. Um, the Council on American Islamic Relations, CARE, who we've just talked about much, the terrorist organization, is using Islamic radicals to raise money throughout the country. 
So again, they're moving in the right direction. According to the Clarion Project, review of their fundraising banquets, CARE calls itself America's largest Islamic civil liberties group. But it has been labeled a U.S. Muslim Brotherhood entity by the federal government. Even the federal government knows this and, and admits it and acknowledges that. So they're nothing more than an extension or a cover for terrorists, ter- terroristic uh, Islamic uh, movement. The Cincinnati and Columbus, Ohio chapters of CARE turned to Imam Waja, a cleric with indisputable credentials as a radical Islamist, for their fundraisers. So this is the kind of guy you want speaking at your fundraisers, a really radical, indisputable radical Islamist. I mean, really wants to kill all the infidels, you know? He's the kind of guy you want, you know, your keynote speaker. He has been recorded saying, quote, America is the most wicked government on the face of the planet Earth, and if only Muslims were clever politically, they could take over the United States and replace its constitutional government with a caliphate, or, you know, Sharia law. That's what what all of their goals are. And our government's just letting them just come in and push this satanic garbage, you know, so, in 1995, um, he was named as the possible co-conspirator in the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. He's got good credentials. Commenting afterwards in a sermon, saying, I'm not frightened by no list, by no government. I thank Allah. I'm honored that they thought enough of me to put me on the list. Meaning the list of the co-conspirator in the 1993 World Trade Center. Because he views whatever happens where you can kill infidels as, a, as a, uh, an honor. And he's glad he was on that list, is what I'm trying to translate, what he meant by that. The Chicago chapter of CARE had some fundraising help from keynote speaker Zaid Shakir, Safa Zarzur, and Kifa Mustafa. Wasn't Mustafa like the lion on Lion King or something? Anyway, sorry. Um, Shakir's radicalism has been documented in detail by the Clarion Project. Um, and this includes preaching that Hezbollah's bombing of the U.S. Marine barracks in Lebanon was not a terrorist attack. Of course it wasn't. It was just good, clean fun. It was just they were just playing patty cake, and things went awry, and the big bomb went off. I don't know. And then he also justified attacks on U.S. soldiers and expressing a hope to see America governed by Sharia law. So he's a good guy. Uh, Safa Zarzur has served as the Secretary General of the Islamic Society of North America. Uh, and is another unindicted co-conspirator labeled as a U.S. Muslim Brotherhood entity. So he's another good guy, good keynote speaker to have on any um, panel anywhere. And then Kifa Mustafa uh, is designated as an unindicted co-conspirator in the terrorism financing trial of the Holy Land Foundation. He is listed among individual and entities who are and or were members of the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood's Palestine Committee. Um, the Palestine Committee was set up by the Brotherhood to support Hamas in the U.S. I mean, these guys should all be in jail. I mean, at bare minimum, they should be locked away. Okay? But they're out on, on, on the speaking circuit. <laughs> Probably getting big bucks to promote their Islamic hatred and, and, and their cult religion. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the good old U.S. of A for you. Uh, Mustafa's mock... Mosque has extensive links to the Muslim Brotherhood, and he sang in a band that performed pro-Hamas songs. like to hear that. You know, those songs. Anyway, remarkably, 56 public officials in Illinois uh, endorsed the CARE Chicago for the event, of course. 56 public officials. 
And there's a link to that if you want to see which ones did it. These included Governor Pat Quinn, Chicago Mayor and former White House Chief of Staff Rahm Emanuel, and Chicago Police Superintendent Gary McCarthy. So what we see here is a pattern of the highest people in local and federal government absolutely, totally greasing the skids in lockstep and in agreement with the most radical Islamic elements and people in America that are 100% bent on the destruction of America, implementing Sharia law. And we've got all of the highest government officials saying this is great. We're, we're not only going to just, we're not going to just sit by idly and say nothing. We're going to endorse you. <laughs> Tell you, you know, I, it's just like m- people that have just sold their souls to Satan in mass is what it appears to me to be, you know. So, going further, um, next report, federal agency brings Muslim propaganda to 800 libraries across the U.S., so again, what I try to do with these teachings is, many times the reason I'll stay on a particular subject is I'm trying to validate and reaffirm what we're talking about. Like, if I just said, oh, one thing about, like, let's say, well, they came out with some book that showed how to burn the, um, the countries, or the, how to start forest fires. The one that I said earlier. Okay, the Islamists are doing that. If that's all I said, then you could say, yeah, but really, I mean, can you really... Just go off that one thing. But when you have story after story after story of stuff they're not even trying to hide, it validates the main premise of what you're trying to prove. And, you know, it's not hard to prove any of this. It's just basically a matter of reporting on it. They're openly admitting to it. So, as noted in this report, West Virginia American Library Association is uh, in the, the... It's called West Virginia American Library Association is Peddling Islam. It's a video you can click on here. Uh, This, in conjunction with the American Library Association's efforts, are aimed at indoctrinating Americans who are often unsuspecting youth whose parents have no idea what is being pushed at at the local taxpayer-funded library. So they're bringing this Islamic propaganda into American libraries to try to brainwash, particularly, well, adults and the kiddies. You know, no doubt cleansed by any realistic discussion of what Islam is and how it is spread, not only is the Islamic Islamic propaganda infiltrating libraries, but there are dozens, possibly hundreds of articles in newspapers across the U.S. announcing the arrival of these books, often under the guise of op-eds or user-submitted articles. It is a well-coordinated and funded effort. Remember, they have unlimited funds, essentially to propagandize America and and to convert it into an Islamic stronghold. So um, there's a link here. It's, it's entitled NEH Bridges Cultures. Muslim Journeys bookshelves arrive in 800 libraries. And here's a picture of these books. If you want to see that, it's the Muslim Journeys bookshelf is a set of 25 books and three films about Muslim cultures and history. Guaranteed, none of it's based in real truth about their true agenda. It's going to be a whitewashed, palatable version that will get you in entryway stuff like any cult does, and then you'll get to the hardcore stuff way down the line. Okay? But they're going to try to lure you in through by by whatever means. Now remember, there's devils connected with this literature. Okay, you check out a book, you bring one of these home, you're bringing back devils that are um, having 
that are geared toward Islam, okay? Spreading of that cult. So it's just like bringing Harry Potter books into your house. You bring that stuff in your house, you're bringing the devils that are attached to that cursed object into your house, and they will affect your thinking process. And then something that you could have never imagined yourself doing, meaning becoming a witch by reading Harry Potter, something that you would have never ever said you would ever do, you end up doing later. Just like this Islamic... That's why you, you want to be real careful about bringing this, this cursed literature, whether it's from Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Islam... Catholicism, whatever, you want to be real careful about bringing that garbage into your house. The only thing you need to be doing with it is burning it. Preferably burning it. And at bare minimum, throwing it away. Okay? So, and that's, that's biblical. And the Bible says that when they got saved in, in the New Testament in Acts, that they brought all their books of curious arts together and it totaled thousands of dollars in silver and they burned them. It was the first thing they did after they got saved. Because many of them were indoctrinated into witchcraft. Okay, these people that got saved in this particular part of Acts. First thing they did was burn these witchcraft manuals, essentially. Or books of whatever, mysticism or whatever they were into. It's the first thing they did because they realized this was the case. It's no different today. Except today it's way worse because there's the, the, uh, with the advent of the printing press, <laughs> you know, and their ability to you know, market this stuff in mass, the potential for this is so far greater. Whereas back then, they had to literally, like, hand copy this stuff. It was a big deal to probably even own one of these books. Okay? Nowadays, it's nothing. So just be careful what you're bringing in your house. Um, anyway, it shows this picture of these books. And um, they arrived in 800 libraries across the United States last month, serving as a centerpiece for discussion programs and talks in every state and dozens of communities. What we hear in the media about Muslims in their faith and culture is incomplete. Oh, you're right about that, lady. Who said this? Paula McGrew, a, a librarian at West Virginia Wesleyan College. So she's saying it's incomplete. Well, she's absolutely right. But she's saying that the beauty of Islam is not being presented accurately. I hear the report to you today on the true nature, the true face of Islam. That's how it's been incomplete. Okay? The the atrocities of Islam that just is Islam, that's what needs to be reported on. Like with what I'm doing today. It needs to be shouted on the mountaintops. But, you know, not to say that people would even react to that for the most part because, you know, people are, for the most part, brainwashed and complacent and, you know, lukewarm. But some will listen. Some will listen. So then this one lady then says, this could potentially change that perception. Um, Amanda Mole, a Glenn Carbon Centennial Library librarian in Illinois, said the library programs have the potential to emphasize common human experiences. See, I, I don't have anything in common with an Islamic adherent. I, I have no common ground with them. They worship a devil. They worship Satan, essentially. I worship the God of the universe. He is my Lord and Savior. Okay? We have no common ground. I'm sorry. We don't. Okay? I want them to get saved, and I pray they do get saved. But I'm not going to go there and yoke up. I'm not going to even bid them Godspeed, like the Bible says. Don't even bid these type of people Godspeed, lest you become cursed. Okay? You know what I mean? Godspeed would be like, okay, let your efforts be fruitful in God or whatever. 
I don't wish that for any Islamic people. I pray they get saved. And if God has to hang them out over hell for a day or so, or however long it takes in order for them to get saved, then that's what I wish for them. Better them to have a glimpse of hell than to burn in hell for eternity, is the way I would look at it. So, um, we're also not supposed to invite these type of people into our house to dialogue. Okay, the Bible talks about that as well. Don't invite them in your house, don't bid them Godspeed. Okay, because they're bringing in devils with them into your house. It's one thing if you debate them on some type of neutral territory. I would never go to their house to do this either. Okay, you want to debate them online, you want to debate them um, at a neutral place. If you feel so led to do that of the Lord, then fine, go for it. But I would, if I was you, I wouldn't let them gang up on you either. I wouldn't just agree to go there by yourself and let them bring everybody and their brother to try to gang up on you. Because remember, all those devils and demons with those people are coming with them. And they have one sole goal of destroying your faith in the word of God and in Jesus Christ. That's why those devils exist. It's all about who's going to end up in heaven and hell. That's what everything boils down to in, the, in, in this earth that we live in, essentially. And the devil knows he has but a short time. His devils and demons and fallen angels know they have but a short time. And they're mad. And they're trying to take as many people into the lake of fire ultimately as possible. That's what this all boils down to. That's why my ministry exists, to try to educate people and hopefully get them pointed toward Jesus Christ. So, going further, um, they go on to say, Through shared personal stories, we are able to see the world through someone else's eyes, like the Muslim's eyes, making the often abstract concept of the Muslim world less foreign, and in some cases frightening. Well, you know, if you watch Not Without My Child with um, Sally Fields, that's a pretty good representation of Islam. (laughs) That's a pretty good reputation, or representation. Shows a woman that actually marries one of these guys. He's an Islamic doctor. And he goes back to uh, Iran, I think. And he takes her with him. He tricks her. And she goes back with him with their little girl. And then when it's... They're just supposed to go on like a week or so trip. And then when she wants to leave, he says, No, you're not leaving. <laughs> you're, you're my wife. You do what I say. You know, and he threatens to beat her. And then she realizes, Wow, I made a gigantic mistake marrying this devil. But she's already over there. And, you know, it's just, I can't imagine living in a society like that. It's like they're just a bunch of barbarians. It's like they're a, a bunch of cavemen and cave women. They have a very, it's so barbaric, their, their thought patterns and the way they, they, they um, view life and the way they interact even with others. And it's, it's like a gigantic prison that you're in. You know, and the women especially. Oh, what a horrific, horrific life for a woman in Islam. But they're so brainwashed, they don't know any different. They think they're serving Allah. They think it's the only way to heaven. And I just, you know, really, when you watch something like that, you can't, just, you can't have anything but compassion on the people that are caught in this system and can't feel like they can't get out you know and it's it's horrific and that's just one of the many probably stories out there that that, you know you can relate to regarding the subject um you get over there in their turf man it's rough stuff 
So going forward here, the National Endowment for the Humanities using grants from the Carnegie Corporation of New York. Now, here you get into the whole PBS, National Endowment for the Humanities, Carnegie Corporation, all these high-level Illuminati money that are greasing the skids, that are promoting, that are letting this infiltration of Islam happen and come into this country. You have to understand, they're the ones permitting it because they could keep it out if they wanted to. They could demonize it, but they're not. As much evil as Islam is committing on a day-to-day basis, much of it we just reported on today, much of it, they chose to ignore all that, and they want this evil in our country. They want this. Okay? And you look at the, the money that's behind Islam, and you realize it truly is of Satan. Carn- and you see Carnegie promoting something, National Endowment for Humanities, these types of organizations, total New World Order front, front groups, bad, bad news. It's just further, further evidence of their wicked, corrupt agenda and fruit that they're producing. So, um, National Endowment for Humanities, using grants from the Carnegie Corporation and others, enlisted scholars and librarians in a collaboration, that probably paid them, Enlisted scholars and librarians in a collaboration to select books and films that introduce the diverse cultures of the Muslim world to interested library patrons. Now, in this essence, by these quotes I'm reading from these brainwashed librarians, if they haven't already converted to Islam, they probably will. Why a woman in her right mind would convert to this death cult, I have no idea. Because I don't know of a cult on the planet that treats women worse than this one. It just doesn't make any sense, but... You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean that to be judgmental, I'm just saying, it's just, a, I can understand how a guy maybe, because I mean, oh yeah, power, and I can go kill and slay and rape and, you know, some wicked guy or whatever that maybe wanted to do that, but women? Oh, anyway, um, it sounds like what they're doing is they're paying off these scholars and librarians, and then they're going and literally becoming human propaganda pieces for these very books, which ultimately the agenda of these books are not just for you to accept Islam, but for you to ultimately convert because that is the ultimate goal of Sharia law. So again, the bookshelf, which was offered free, of course it was offered free, they're they're not going to charge for it, to interested libraries and humanities councils has been delivered to rural and urban communities from Hawaii to Maine. The bookshelf is part of the NEH's Bridging Cultures Initiative. Recipient libraries are hosting local events with film screens, lectures, and panels aimed at engaging people in learning something about Muslims around the globe. I would like to have like this presentation presented, my PowerPoint, like just converted into a PowerPoint. If you go to this, you also have to see my presentation. On here's the true face of Islam. You decide which one you believe. I'm going to give you verified, documented facts. They're going to give you fairy tales. Okay, I would, you know, it'd be great if, if when they they hosted these local film screens, mine. The, in order to get to this, you have to watch mine first, or at least second. I don't really care. You know, I mean, it's fair. You know, you want to have both sides of the story, right? Um. After one event, patrons checked out nearly all 25 books in the Muslim Journey set. So, they're really, really trying to brainwash the American public about this. 
And it's a very huge priority for the Illuminati, obviously. Um, this next report is entitled, It's Coming to This, One Nation Under Allah. Fury is brewing at the Rocky Mountain High School in Colorado after a multicultural student group were encouraged to recite the Pledge of Allegiance over the loudspeaker in Arabic, replacing one nation under God with one nation under Allah. Yeah, you just heard that. Following Monday's pledge, good old Principal Tom Lopez, here this guy has the backbone of a redwood, okay, has been inundated with complaints from outraged parents concerned that saying the pledge of any language other than English is unpatriotic. Uh, what about the whole thing under Allah? That's the main thing for me. I mean, it's one thing if you say the Pledge of Allegiance in Arabic. It's a whole other thing when you say under Allah. Okay, because that's the, the stinking fallen angel moon god. Standing by his controversial decision, Principal Lopez has said that despite the irate telephone calls and emails, he is not in any way, shape, or form trying to push an Islamic agenda at the Fort Collins School. No, you're a liar. You're a fork-tongued liar, Principal Lopez. These students, he goes on to say, these students love this country, said Lopez to Fox News. They were not being un-American in trying to do this. Oh, yes, they were. They were being un-Christian, mostly. They believed they were accentuating the meaning of the words as spoken regularly in English. Yeah, that's the world according to you, devil. Anyway, other parents, and then he goes on, this, this, pre, this principle. In true... I'm trying to think of the word, the right word. In true spineless fashion, or in true politically correct fashion, went on to say, and I didn't even include it in this because I don't want to read it, but he went on to say several, several lines, several um, quotes where he was saying, you know, anybody that would, would not want this is just, they're just narrow-minded in their prejudice against Islam. And they're basically a bunch of bigots. And, they, and they're just being, you know, all, all this guilt-trippy garbage that all of a sudden he's trying, see, he's got the spotlight on him. So when a spotlight is on somebody that doesn't want to have the spotlight on them, he's, oh, he, the first thing he's going to try to do is get the spotlight off himself and point it on everybody else, of everybody else, and make them look like they're the bad guy. That's exactly what he was doing. I mean, he didn't, there was no apologies at all regarding this at all by this devil. So other parents have accused him of pushing the Muslim Brotherhood agenda to push Islam into the school. Personally, um, I distrust a religion with a god named Allah. That, and this is the guy writing the article imprisons a Christian pastor for threatening the national security of Iran through his leadership in a Christian house church. These are just some of the things that, the fruit of I Islam. Um, or locks up and lashes women for just being immodest. Well, not only that, they kill him, they bury him alive, like I said in one picture earlier. Or throws, throws stones at Jewish kindergartners. I'm going to give you a little more about that in a second. Or allows men to have sex with underage girls, or generally mutilates their daughters, or have no love for unbelievers, or doesn't allow women to drive, and is, quote, the best of deceivers according to the Quran. So all those things were, were in regard to, personally, I distrust a religion with a, with a God named Allah that does all these things. You know, Yeah, true. <laughs> Absolutely true. So for info... Contact Rocky Mountain High School. There's a link to their website. There's their address. There's this email address for the school. And there's 
School Principal Tom Lopez's phone number. I've got his phone number in here, so if anyone you want to give him a call, I'll give you all that contact information. And then let's go further here. Mega church pastor of 15,000 evangelical Christian partners of 15,000 evangelical Christians partners with Islamists to oppose the anti-Sharia law in the Florida legislature. Dr. Joel C. Hunter of Northland Church, who is the senior pastor of Northland Church of Longwood, Florida, asked Atif Farid, the former chairman of CARE, okay, which is the, I, we said before, terrorist, Muslim terrorist uh, cover front, front group, former chairman of CARE, this pastor asked him to read his statement opposing SB 58 application of foreign laws in certain cases to the Florida Senate on governmental oversight and accountability on March 21st, 2013. There's a little picture of this little devil weasel that you can see. I can't even stand looking at his picture. He's a, he's the pastor of a 15,000 evangelical Christian megachurch. This guy. Okay. I seriously, I can't even look at his picture. It, 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 it just, all I have is righteous indignation when I see him. Um, Atif Farid told the committee, he said, quote, now this is the governmental oversight and accountability. He addressed them, uh, this Muslim uh, terrorist, essentially. Um, he addressed them on the 21st of March uh, uh, 2013. He addressed the Florida Senate Committee on governmental oversight and accountability. And he said, but I want to read something very important to you today. I am a Muslim. But a senior pastor of an evangelical church, Dr. Joel C. Hunter, sent me an email yesterday afternoon, and he wanted me to read this to you. And this is how this letter goes exactly word by word. Quote, now this is from Joel C. Hunter, megachurch pastor, asking a terrorist to read this on his behalf in the Florida Senate Committee on Government Oversight and Accountability. Good old Joel C. Hunter says... To my state senators, as a pastor of one of the largest churches in Florida, I believe Senate Bill 58 will do more harm than good if enacted. Its effect will be to increase bias rather than protection. So we're going to be more biased toward the poor Muslims because they have no hidden agenda, obviously, as we've just said. I mean, they're just puritanical. Pure the driven snow. Anyway, it goes on to say, it seems to me to be a cure without a disease. Now, what is this legislation for? It's for anti-Sharia. It's opposing Sharia law creeping in to our governmental system, which obviously we should all be for. Okay? He says this legislation seems to be a cure without a disease. My comment... I guess all the reports I have just covered in this one teaching alone would not be enough to convince this spineless heretic there is any problem with Islam. In other words, there's no disease here. There's no problem. It would be like having a 48-pound cancerous tumor like on your, on your, on your side that you couldn't conceal in any way, shape, or form. And say, there's no disease here. There's no problem here. 
What are we, what are we making such a big deal about? They just ultimately want to behead and kill every one of us if we won't end up converting to Islam. I mean, what's the big deal with, with generally mutilating your little daughters and, 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 and having sex with little girls and having, oh, under temporary marriages and, you know, what's the big deal about that? You know, or beheading people or killing them or ripping out their hearts and eating their liver and hearts and screaming Allah Akbar. I mean, why can't we just all just be a little more sensitive to the poor Muslims' needs? You know? Because we don't count. Only thing that matters is Islam. Obviously. And, you know, I don't see why we all just can't get on that same page and just, you know, I think we should just all go and, and voluntarily submit so that they could just behead us. You know, and eat our organs afterwards so they can have a little treat. You know, because treats are important. You know, snack time and, and juice and cookies. Well, treats are important to Islamic people too. You know. And, and you know, uh, I, don't, I don't view this as a disease either. It's a blessing. Islam is a... How could any of us argue it's just a pure blessing to humanity? The fruit is so good. You know? Anyway, so he says, it seems to me, me to be a cure without a disease. Okay. Then he goes on to say, out of his silver tongue, fork tongue mouth, existing law and, and judicial precedent have proved sufficient to deal with any concerns addressed by this proposed law. No, it has not, you devil. Existing laws being done away with, essentially, in order to make room for Sharia. Okay? And then he goes on to say, having confidence in both our Constitution and the character of our judicial process, I agree with the American Bar Association, the Anti-Defamation League, and the American Civil Liberties Union that this law and House Bill 351 will be detrimental rather than, than, good, than the good intended. You know, Joel, when you're burning in a white-hot hell, you'll be, I bet you, you'll have those words going over and over and over in your head. You know, of what the damage you're doing. And the thing is, is that to whom much is given, much is required. This guy's got 15,000 people in his congregation. Obviously a totally spineless, backboneless, lukewarm, God gonna vomit them out of his mouth according to Revelation 3 church. That's obviously what we're dealing with. 501c3 corporate, yoked up with the government, will be assimilated into the beast, and happily so. We'll probably be the first ones to line up and take the mark of the beast, and hey, give it to me on my forehead, because I want everybody to know I have got 666 or whatever embedded into my forehead. I wouldn't be surprised of all the people in the church would be lining up to do that, ultimately, in the end. Hopefully some of them really will see this and get out, and hopefully some of them are saved, but they need to get out. You know, this is standard operating procedure for the corporate church. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're the first ones now that we're seeing want our guns, take away the Second Amendment, take away our First Amendment, allow Islam in, and, uh, Islam to infiltrate our government, just like this this devil. Um, allow the gay, lesbian, and transgender, bisexual agenda to, to go forward. Allow same-sex marriages in every state. The church is now becoming one of the main 
entities that are in lockstep with a lot of these things. Pretty soon, it'll be standard procedure for the church then to also be pro-death and pro-abortion. That'll probably be the last straw. And some of them already are, that would, that would identify themselves as a Christian, pseudo-Christian cult. Some of them already are. Particularly the, the churches like the certain sects of the Methodists and those that have let lesbian pastors come in and, and, and rule the pulpit. And a lot of them are pro, pro-abortion as well. Well, you know, wickedness begets wickedness, you know. So this is what we're dealing with here. Uh, real sad state of affairs. To see the video of Atif Farid's presentation to the Senate committee, click here. There's a link you can click on uh, and advance the video to the 68-minute mark. Uh, Doug, David Caton, who I believe is a friend of my, I don't know if this is brother, Doug Caton, who's a friend of mine, David Caton of the Florida Family Association president said, I cannot wait until the committee meeting was over to inquire if Joel Hunter, Pastor Joel Hunter, actually authorized or requested a Tief Fareed to present this statement to the Florida Senators. Because he was probably in his own mind saying, I can't believe he would really do this. I really want to find out if this is true. I want to get it straight from the horse's mouth. Okay, So he said, I sent the below email to Joel Hunter, to which he affirmed yes in less than five minutes. Talk about a quick turnaround time. He must be really proud to align with the Council on American-Islamic Relations, or CARE, this terroristic organization. Bring God hang this guy out over hell. Statement, this was the statement presented to the Florida State. He said, gentlemen, just, uh, a gentleman just presented a statement allegedly authorized by Joel Hunter condemning SB 58 application of foreign law in certain cases. Did Joel Hunter write and authorize the statement? Joel Hunter's personal email address... Joel period Hunter at NorthlandChurch.net responded back, Joel Hunter, to David Caton, uh, Thursday, March 21st, 2013 at 11.30 a.m. and said, yes. That was all he said. And it said it was sent from his iPhone. So he's good because he's got a little Apple. He's in with Apple. He's got his iPhone. And he's responding back, yes. And if you want to know about Apple, just can't Apple in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. Sorry, it's a really, really weak company. Not to say Microsoft isn't either, but anyway. Hunter claims he is a conservative evangelical Christian. Yet, the Northland Church website gives this bio of Hunter. Dr. Hunter served in the inaugural year of the President's Advisory Council on Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships. Now, that faith-based and neighborhood partnerships, one of those, the guy that's the head of that is that Islamist guy, the six people that are in close proximity to Obama that I noted earlier in high government. So that's the same organization. Uh, this Advisory Council on Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships, which is headed up by an, by an Islam, uh, by a Muslim, advised President Barack Obama on substantial pol- policy issues. And he continues to be a spiritual advisor to the president. Evidently, Joel Hunter is a, a spiritual advisor to the president as well. So, Dr. Joel Hunter prayed during the 2008 Democratic National Convention, where Barack Hussein Obama was nominated to run for president. So he, he's probably, I guess, a, a Democrat too. So he probably he's probably pro-gay, I'm sure, and probably pro-death, pro-abortion. You know, why not do it all? I mean, if you're going to sold out to Satan, you might as well, you know, sell out all the way. Click here to see his prayer on YouTube. If you can stomach it, 
Here is some background on Atif Farid, the guy that he wanted to read this letter to the, to the legislature. The spokesman who Dr. Hunter selected to give a speech in support of the Council on American Islamic Relations Political Agenda. Atif Farid, chairman of the American Muslim Community Centers, former chairman of CARE of Florida. Farid per- participated in a rally to defend the Palestinian Islamic Jihad leader Sami al-Aran at the opening day of al-Aran's trial in Tampa. Prior to getting involved with CARE, Farid was a representative for the Muslim Public Affairs Council, which is an Islamic political group that has, in the past, defended Hezbollah and has called for Israel's destruction. He's a fun guy, you know. He's he's a good guy to go give your keynote speech from. And then, uh, here's a quote from him. This is the guy that Hunter had give the quote, or give give, uh, the letter for him. He said, It took skill to fly sophisticated planes nearly 500 miles into the World Trade Center towers and the Pentagon. (laughs) So he was in admiration of the supposed 9-11 bombers or whatever. This guy. This guy that gave this, this, uh, that spoke on behalf of Pastor Joel Hunter. (laughs) He was was in admiration of, of these, uh, of these guys. Now, if you want to know the real story on 9-11, go to Loose Change 2nd Edition. i give you a link here you can go to because the official story was a bunch of garbage. Um, sadly, Dr. Joel Hunter is helping the Hamas-linked jihad apologist Council on American Relations to stop laws from being enacted that would prohibit courts from accepting Sharia law. See, it's like the church, the 501c3 corporate, especially these mega churches that influence more people, obviously, than anyone, are becoming absolutely, totally part of the satanic agenda. Openly. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. They're absolutely, totally in lockstep with Satan and his agenda on, on a lot of different levels. As I've stated earlier, gay, lesbian, transgender, Islam, um, the uh, taking away our Second Amendment. You name it, taking away our First Amendment. Big Brother coming in, man. I mean, this is the this is the state of affairs that we're in right now. So let's go further. Um, a planning lawyer and self-styled mosque buster claims he is fighting to stop the tide of Islam by successfully blocking plans for the building of mosques across the UK. Now I'm getting into this because this is something more proactive. Uh, it's one thing to pray about. This is actually on the more physically proactive side. Uh, Gavin Bobby, once linked to the English Defense League, boasts he has already blocked plans for 16 out of 17 mosques being built. Under the banner of the Law and Freedom Foundation, he calls for people to come to him for free professional help in opposing mosque proposals and claims that Islam encourages pedophilia, sexual abuse, and pimping. Absolutely, it encourages all of those things, as we just got into that in some of the previous reports. So this guy's doing this free, free legal help. So it tells me the guy's not in it for the money. He's really doing it because he's really seeing how wicked and evil this cult is, and he's trying to stem the tide of it. He claims to help the followers resist planning applications for mosque developments by raising opposition with councils. The 48-year-old said in a video posted online, quote, if anyone out there knows of an application for a new mosque, a cultural center, or some phony community center, or some other multi-faith, interfaith harming institute, then please let me know. Mr. Bobby, who's from Bristol, 
runs a planning consultancy, but also provides legal assistance for those who oppose mosque developments, according to the Sunday Times. Vacancies for volunteers were posted on the EDL website. Political and intellectual elites are undermining law or freedom. So we need to take what action we can do to preserve them ourselves. Now, notice he says political and intellectual elites are undermining our law and education freedom. So in other words, he's saying it's the political and intellectual elites that are allowing Islam to spread because they have the power to stop it from spreading because they would control the government and the purse strings and all this other stuff. They're doing this all by design. As I said, the Carnegies and and all of these high-level Illuminati front groups are allowing and wanting this to happen. And so see, when you see the source That is also another huge red flag and confirms to you how wicked and evil this whole movement is. Mr. Bobby has written an online guide that shows how local citizens can make a legal case against mosques. In the guide, it reads, let councils know that they're on the hook for their decisions. Be relentless. Push. You better believe the Muslims will push. You know, they'll die to get their agenda in there. And yet, most people now, they're just not going to do anything. They're just going to go with the flow. Not talking to my listeners, but people in general. He also suggests opposing an Islamic center on the grounds of parking congestion, disturbance, and other community relations. In other words, whatever, honestly, I really thought when I read this, I thought what he was going to say, like a lot of people have brought up, is that whenever they go to, let's say, break ground on a mosque, some of these people were going there with, um, they would butcher and kill a pig, and take the pig and, and just spread the guts and the blood all over the, the property, all over the ground, and make sure that it was left there. And then what ends up happening is, is that they can't build anything because the ground's been defiled by pig blood. That's why they believe, you know, if they get, if they get um, pig blood on them before they die, they're going to go to hell or whatever. Or if they get if they touch a pig or whatever. And some of these guys, like in the armies and stuff, said they, they were literally... Um, taking their bullets in and and dipping them in, in uh, pig fat or pig blood before they're actually firing them at because that this is how I mean, I'm not saying that's what you should do I'm just saying this is what I've seen and I thought when I when this guy with the moss buster thing I thought that's what he was going to say at first but he's actually doing it in a in like a professional legal way okay but. He appears to be driven by an apparent ideological hatred of Islam, referring in a video posted on YouTube to recent sex abuse cases and claims mosques are not like churches and are instead used to instruct followers to commit acts of pedophilia, sexual abuse, and pimping. Absolutely, 100% true, and you're only going to see more and more of that as Islam gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, Proverbs 8.13, I thought was an appropriate verse at this point because it says, He appears to be driven by an apparent ideological hatred of Islam. Okay, The Bible says in Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. There's nothing wrong with hating evil. Now, it would be wrong for you to go around hating all the people participating in the evil, Okay, having an absolute hatred, wanting to see them die and rot in hell, Okay, but hating the evil that it produces is called righteous indignation. It is an attribute of God. And the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And also pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. These are things God hates. So, you think of Islam, pride, arrogancy, evil way, froward mouth, 
those are all attributes of Islam as well. Okay, not to say there's not a lot of other cults that don't exhibit that as well, but Islam's pretty at a, at a very high level at this point. I'd say um, he goes on to say that Islamic doctrine permits and encourages, and to a certain extent mandates Muslim men to take non-Muslim women as slaves to be used for sex. He's right. He's 100% right. And he's trying to stem the tide of evil by doing what he's doing from a legal standpoint. So God bless him and his righteous efforts. In order to stop the Islamic doctrine, which is the root of the problem, you have to prevent further mosques from being built. It's a great point he just made. In order to stop Islamic doctrine, which is the root of the problem, you have to prevent further mosques from being built. My comment, yes, this is how the malignant cancer of Islam spreads, through mosques. You have a mosque, then people literally will relocate to that area to be a member of the mosque, and then they go out, as the tentacles go out, and they establish other ones. So, Mr. Bobby told Mail Online, I am extremely proud that when these concerned neighborhoods approached us for help, we enable them to use laws and consultation procedures that exist for their protection. A spokesman for the English Defense League said, we support the organization wholeheartedly and send many people from different communities with different issues concerning mosques in their area. So again, that's good to know. Um, if you want to know more about that, you can click on the... Uh, uh, well, actually, just do a keyword search for this guy. And um, they will, you, I'm sure you'll find it online. Last article, actually I got through everything, um, is, well actually the last two articles I should say. Uh, first one is entitled, Jewish Baby Stoned by Arabs near Hafa, Israel. And there's actually a picture of this poor little baby. Uh, looks like uh, one and a half maybe. Gigantic chunk of flesh taken out of her left cheek. It's brutal. It's a brutal picture. It is. You're not really seeing her face head on, but you can see it from the side. It's just pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. To do this to a baby. To stone a little innocent baby. This is a Jewish baby who got stoned by Arabs today. And it's in its mother's arms. This, this makes me so incredibly righteously indignant. If it was on the Muslim side, it would have been posted all over the, the media world. You know what the good old Muslims do? They literally use their children as human shields. So that when they do get hit, they can say, look at what the wicked Jews did. Now I'm not giving the, 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 like the high level Jewish elite a, a pass. Or those that go by the Babylonian Talmud and the Kabbalah and high Orthodox whatever Judaism. I'm not giving them a pass. A pass okay? I'm not saying they're wonderful and righteous. Okay? I'm not saying they're not of the synagogue of Satan that the Bible talks about in Revelation. I'm not giving them a pass. I'm talking about what is standard operating procedure for Muslims. When they're engaging Jews, is they will use their children as human shields, and they have thus admitted to this on umpteen occasions, and I've documented that over and over again. So they can go back and say, oh, look at what the Jews did to us. When they're the ones firing rockets at them all the time. Infiltrate every time they give them more land for peace. Oh no, no, we just move our rockets in a little bit closer. We get a better beat on the city, and they want to kill 
man, woman, children. They want to kill every Jew. Man, woman, child. You know, that's what their agenda is. Now with Facebook, we have power to spread this all over the net. So this poor little thing. I, I mean, she's going to be so scarred from this. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, maybe if she got some... But it's such a huge chunk. It looks like somebody took a knife and literally cut about a one inch... Um, like, if you, you know if you cut off a lemon peel? Like, off the outside of a lemon... Okay, about one inch at the thickest part. It looks like that going down about, I don't know, a good, a good centimeter. She is going to be disfigured unless she gets plastic surgery or something. I don't even know if they could repair it. If she lived, I don't know. She has her eyes shut. Oh, gosh, it's sickening. Just beyond sickening. But it's good old fruit of Islam. So what, what can you, what, why would we expect any less from these, these barbarians? You know, peaceful coexistence with radical Islamists is impossible. This was a quote, um, by, uh, from El Mundo of Caracas, Venezuela, February 11th, 1980. And I guess he was quoting Arafat, and he says, Arafat also said, peace for us means the destruction of Israel. That's what peace for Islam means. But that wouldn't be enough. Even when that, even if that happened and it's not from a biblical standpoint ever going to happen. Not to say they're not going to have a lot of <laughs> problems, okay? From a biblical standpoint. But once they got, it, it, if they were allowed to take Israel, and they're never going to from a biblical standpoint, once they got it, it would just be moving on to all the other infidel countries on the planet. America would be, their, I'm sure, the one they would really want to get. Arafat said, peace for us means the destruction of Israel. We are preparing for an all-out war. A war which will last for generations. Since January of 1965, when Fatah was born, we have become the most dangerous enemy that Israel has. We shall not rest until the day when we return to our home and until we destroy Israel. End of quote. That's Islam. Last part. 92-year-old old Palestinian woman, um, this is an interview with this Palestinian woman. I just watched it. It's only about like a minute and a half. You can watch it. I'll give you the link here. And there, 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 some uh, Muslim lady being interviewed by a Muslim news guy, okay? And the interviewer says, please tell us who you are. Now, they're, in some, they're in the middle of some uh, festival, the day of Nakaba, you know? He says, please tell us who you are. And she says, I am from Hebron, of the Jabir family. And he says, what is your name? And she says, Sarah Jabbar. How old are you? 92. She was 92. Um, interviewer says, so you remember May 15, 1948, the day of Nakaba. And Sarah Jabbar, okay, so the day of Nakaba, or Nakaba day, um, is, uh, Nakaba day meaning Day of Catastrophe, is generally commemorated on May 15th, the day after the Gregorian calendar date for the Israeli Independence Day. Uh, for the Palestinians, it is the annual, even though there is no such thing as the Palestinians, as far as a race of people, and I've proven that in, the, in a previous study that I did, okay? But that was all created and concocted to make, to make it sound like, oh, Israel took all these people and shoved them off their land, and now they're just, oh, now they've got no place to go, and this and that, okay? Whatever. But anyway, we already did a study totally debunking that notion. 
So it was for the Palestinians an annual day of commemoration of the displacement that preceded and followed the Israeli Declaration of Independence in 1948. So this is what their, their, uh, uh, this day of Nakaba. And so he says, so you remember the day of Nakaba, May 15, 1948. Uh, she says, why wouldn't I remember? Um, then, then she said something like, um, uh, let us hope we can all forget it. And then she says, quote, may Allah support us. Allah willing, you will bury Israel and massacre the Jews with your own hands. Allah willing, you will massacre them like we massacred them in Hebron. I mean, this is a sweet old lady. I mean, you know, just a sweet old 92-year-old, probably great-grandmother. I mean, just got the joy of the Lord in her heart. And it's obvious, you know, you can see the wonderful fruit. So the interviewer then says, what does this day mean to you? You have lived 63 years since Nakaba. Um, you have experienced the entire Nakaba, whatever that means. Um, and so she says, I lived through the British era. I lived through the massacre of the Jews at Hebron. Which, in other words, she avoids the question because she doesn't want to talk about this Nakaba day, this Israeli independence. Um, so she says, I lived through the British era and I lived through the massacre of the Jews at Hebron. That's what she wants to talk about. She wants to talk about the massacre of the Jews, you know, because the other stuff doesn't really, she don't like that other stuff where Israel, you know, did this. And then she says, we, the people of Hebron, massacred the Jews. My father massacred them and brought back some stuff. That was it. And then she says, thank you to the interviewer. Brought back some stuff? Well, that's neat. I mean, would he bring back some, like, now and laters? Maybe the, uh, was it the apple, uh, was that apple kind of, what one? No, the apple, I don't know. I don't know, some type of candy or, I don't know, maybe some trinkets, some Mardi Gras beads, I don't know. But, but they massacred the Jews, and my father massacred them, and, we brought, and, and brought back some stuff. That's good, that's good. Really see the fruit of the spirit there. Fruit of the um, satanic spirit. This is the mindset, though. This is Islam. I just try to point out the obvious. They're not in hiding doing this. It's just the mass media refuses to report this stuff. Because they've been told to keep your mouth shut. Don't you say anything. If you do, you're gone. You'll be threatened. In, in these other countries, they are threatened. They're threatened with death. Whenever they get to a certain level, they'll start threatening you with death. And um, this is Islam, through and through. Now, if you want to watch the interview, i give you a link there. It's heart- heartwarming. I'm warning you. It might, you might. It's a little tear-jerky. Type of thing, hallmark moment. But um, yeah, this is what we're dealing with here now, and um, that's actually all I have for today. So I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day you've given us and this, this uh, time you've let us come together. I do pray, God, that um, your truth, Lord God, would be put throughout all the world, Lord. The truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth about these nefarious evil agendas that are continually being propagated by the world press, by the world government, by these wicked, evil religions that we expose. I pray that the people within them would be saved if it be possible, that their eyes would be open, that you would use whatever means in order to get their eyes open, but also, Lord God, that they would not prosper in wickedness. And that they would not be permitted to commit these atrocities without the most severest of biblical repercussions on your end, Lord. That God would shoot at them with an arrow. 
that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider of his doing, that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart would glory according to Psalm 64. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, and that you would use the body of Christ mightily for your glory, and that you would use us, Lord, to lead many people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.